I don't get the Horatio thing. Horatio Sands? No, Horatio was my babysitter as a kid. He's your what? He was a babysitter of mine. What? Okay, I'm hearing a lot of I'm hearing a lot of Good, I'm moving the blanket. I'm adjusting, okay? This is not part of the show. It's because I'm gonna get one to one spot and we're gonna go. Right? Oh my Jesus Christ. Now I don't have the I there's no way for me to enhance my audio. There should be a button when you invite a friend in or whatever. Anyhow, no I saw I tested it out for myself and I'm like, oh my god, I had it in, enhanced audio. I do not have that option anywhere on my screen. What's important? Jesus, stop you gotta stop moving that around. It's gotta be just as annoying as listening to me eat celery. <laughs> All right, I'm not gonna do the, the blanket then. How's that now? Wait, you're kidding about this blanket. You wait, hold on. Okay, we have to talk about this. Um I'm, I'm going to lead you in. Five, four. Welcome to the Chicago Beef League. This is Chip, your host. Hey, everyone. It's Alex, Alex, co-host. Co-host. Eh. Co-host. That's a, that's a, I don't think you've earned that co-host label. Anyway. What? It's a step down from host. Basically. So, uh, Hold on. Just really quickly, folks, this is going to be quick. To the point, it's going to be a great week. But Chip is now... We've had some technical difficulties. Chip, explain to me what you're doing with the blanket right now. I was trying to control the audio conditions of <laughs> my basement here. And it appears that uh, the, the area over in my office is not very good. I can't use a microphone. It's, and I won't go into that. Point is, I was testing out using uh, putting a blanket over me to seal up the audio. And uh, Alex, did, did you? Can you attest? It's not better with a blanket. Oh my god, it's amazing! <laughs> no, it's actually it chip. It's like a thousand times better. Right now? Oh yeah, right now it's like you should never, like yeah, always record with a blanket over you. Never record with a blanket over you. Is always, always. No, wait, I don't have the blanket on me now. Oh, well, it was better with the blanket on. Was it better with the blanket on? Oh, yeah. It was like, I mean, yeah. It's. I'm shocked right now that you don't have the blanket on. I can't tell the difference, but I'm going to always tell you that it's better when you're wearing a blanket. I don't know if you're kidding with me. Anyway, let's get into uh, the draft recap. Well, hold on. So, yeah, this is, first off, opening day is tomorrow, folks. Yes. Um, get excited. So ideally, if you're listening to this, you've listened to it before the season has started or before any catastrophic injuries have happened, because this is uh, this is an important listen for the next for your we're next not, 60 minutes. Yeah, we're not giving them a lot of time here. So no. uh, we're going to try to finish this up quickly, get it posted so that you all can listen before first pitch tomorrow. Um, Chip, what's our rundown? What are we doing today? We're going to go through every team uh, in their draft. Uh, I'm going to nitpick and criticize everyone, especially Sunil. Uh, and then we will be wrapping it up by looking at projections for the, for the year and with a new uh, topic of a segment that Alex will uh, 
illuminate uh, at the end. So stay tuned. I'm actually going to start really quickly first, just by asking for some prayers and thoughts and prayers and all sorts of stuff. Um, folks, we need Miami, the U, to win. Um, I need them to. I need them to win it all. It's like 200 bucks that I'm going to win if that happens, uh, and I need it clearly. Also, throwing this out there, Chip may or may not have heard this before, but we're looking to get Warren Sapp and The Rock added to the U's roster for their upcoming matchup against UConn, um, just to even it out. Um, you know, Sunoku or whatever the guy's name is, is not going to be as powerful if he's getting body slammed by The Rock. Mm-hmm. And Warren Sapp can take out that the the lanky seven-footer that they have. And he'll just even stuff up. Um, so, folks, we're, send those prayers. The U needs to win the whole thing, okay? All right, I'm done. Well, when is the game? The first game is Saturday that they need to win. And then I also have San Diego State winning it all. So I guess alternate – UConn's going to win it all. We all know this. But I'm just hoping that the U does it. Agreed. Well, I really can't I, – I can't root for the U. It kind of goes against the code. Which, but, which I get, but I'd ask you to rewatch the 30 for 30 on the U. And also I want to point this out, Chip. Just right now in your head, and everybody listening, close your eyes. Picture Bobby Hurley. Immediately, I bet all of you just, like, you heard the name and you either wanted to throw up or you just entered into this rageful feeling. His brother coached UConn, okay? Mm-hmm. If that isn't enough to root against UConn, I don't know what is. Well, I, how about neither? I, I Anyway, uh, I'm going to be rooting for San Diego State. Full stop. You You would. You okay? So, uh, we're gonna do this in order of picks. So, uh, we're doing the annual post draft recap, and I'm actually feel like I'm kind of positive in looking at stuff here, um, which is rare. But let's start with one of the teams of which I'm not very positive on, and that's Otto Vish. Um, Vishnu made the the Alex Bredman pick first overall, and I think everybody agrees he was, uh, what is it? Head, head over heels. Nope. Hands away. Um, obvious. The obvious pick at number one. Um, I also liked his pick of uh, Jamie Tyon in the 17th round. Nice job. Some questionable picks. Brandon Crawford in the seventh. Mitch Hanniger in the fourth. Raul Mondesi in the sixth. Uh, Chip, what were your thoughts? I... Uh... I like considering where we've been with Vishnu and uh, Vishnu. If you're listening, your his- history of drafts have been uh, littered with auto drafts and or um, very bizarre picks. This one you were attentive to, and um, I, at least there's. It seems like there's there's a game plan. Uh, I like the bounce. I'm just going to throw this out there. Well, I think there's some bounce back candidates. If healthy, Hanniger and Montessi McCullers all can uh, outperform their their draft pet, uh, spot. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, I've liked. I, I like Clayton Kershaw. I mean, if he, as long as he's pitching 150 innings, I think you're going to get a return on uh, that pick. His relievers at, are fine. Um, so, I'm just going to throw this out at you because, mm-hmm. right. Last year, Otto Vish finished two 
uh, and 20. And 20. Mm-hmm. Two wins and 20 losses. Yep. Does this draft move him up to like five wins? I think he gets to eight wins. Eight wins. So he's going to yes. be, he's going to win eight and he's going to have lost 14. Yes. I will take the under on eight. Um, I'm only getting, I, saying I, eight because I, I'm sure he's a guaranteed lock to beat you in week one. I know. Uh, don't bring that up. He always, <laughs> last, last year he had two wins. I made it either to the, the finals or the semifinals. You have to ask Jay about that. Either way, one of my losses was one of his two wins last year. Yes, I know. So I, I, it's a okay. lot to happen again. And yeah. this team is not as bad as uh, it's been in years past. It's not here's, quite here's my the one to go on a run, but it's not here's, as bad as last year. Here's my frustration. The strategy on this team isn't compete. The strategy in the sorry, the draft strategy here wasn't compete. The strategy here wasn't try to find potential keepers. The strategy here wasn't get guys with high upside. No. And so, I guess my point is just that I, I don't understand what strategy it was. Like Clayton Kershaw is not going; he's going to retire after this year. Your second round pick is not going to be a keeper, most likely. Oh. Okay. Your third round pick, Ryan Presley, again, even for Vish, who loves keeping relievers, not going to be a keeper. His that was third, right? His fourth round pick was Mitch Haniger, not going to be a keeper. And his fifth round pick was Kenley Jansen. Again, Vish, even though he likes relievers and kept Kenley Jansen for a decade, he's like, so he didn't go young, he didn't go keeper. And if if he hits eight wins, cool. But this is like no progress in my mind. It's no progress. Agreed. Uh, I'm not an apologist. So, I'm just if you squint your eyes and you look I know. at his roster, and folks. Like I know I said I was going to be positive. This is one of the two teams that I just I genuinely don't have anything good to say about the draft. So if you squint your it. eyes and you look at his outfield, for example, you could see a it's a that's a better outfield than you have for sure. Well, yeah, but I have the worst outfield of all times. I know. So my point being, it's I think it's a better than average Vishnu draft. Can you wait until and his strategy is kind of absent? So, um, what happens when Vishnu makes the playoffs and I don't? Yes, exactly. So bite your tongue. It's not a good auto Vish. If you're listening, you need to think of a penalty if you make for me. If you make uh, the playoffs and I don't, and and frankly, I think everything should be on the table. Like you could be like, I get Alex's one of Alex's minor league keepers or something, or one of my one to threes. I'm just saying, Vish, you're listening. Are you going to argue? I mean, this is just unlikely. Anyway, hey, you know what else is unlikely? That Vish is listening and is going to hear that and come up mm-hmm. with a penalty for me. So let's move to the second round pick, yes. um, the commish. The commish. You and I have because we've we've talked about all of these in the past so i'm just going to preempt you by saying you did not like this draft and i really like this draft so right. let's uh chip I i'm going to pick the first that we disagree on which was taylor ward the number two pick in the draft yes go i well okay the the rationale the the impartial rationale here is that taylor ward's a one he had a really good year last year He's healthy, uh, somewhat of a breakout. Somehow, Sunil dropped him. And <clears throat> I don't believe in Taylor Ward do, repeating his success. I don't see it being uh, 
quite as lovely as uh, it was in that, for during that like two month stretch. Uh, I think that he, while he is a one, I think that he's not going to be the top 25 outfielder this year. I think he's more of a six, a fifth, six outfielder. And I wouldn't have paid for that. So, and, and, and I think, I guess I believe in what he did last year, which was despite a period that he played injured and was not good, he came out with good stats. I like the fact that he's hitting leadoff in front of Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, whoever else other than Anthony Rendon um, that they put there. Mm-hmm. And as a one, like I looked at the other, what was excited. So I would have taken him at 11 had he fallen. I was hoping he would have fallen. He was my uh, number two player available after Alex Bregman. Um, and I would, the thing that I, I, all of that upside, plus the fact that he's one. And then I look at the other guys that were available, right? I'm just going to stick with first round contention. We're talking about Kristen Yelich, mm-hmm. Byron Buxton, sure. um, and, and not and not just limiting it to outfield, but like Max Muncie, Abreu, mm. um, who are some of the other guys that went in the first round? You know, Ray, my my or... point here, though, is, is more so just that those guys all have some risk associated with them. But like, would you bank on Christian Yelich returning to MVP, MVP form or Taylor Ward? putting up the same numbers he did last year well i wouldn't be phrasing it that way like yelich doing 15 15 homer stolen bases is that more uh more likely than taylor ward you don't keep you don't keep yelich at that as a vet you would keep ward at a as a vet unless you're senile excuse me as a one to three unless you're senile with what he put up last year and I think Ward's at the beginning, and, and for, we're talking about upside here. I don't see Yelich having that regaining that MVP form. I'm not saying Ward's going to be an MVP, but I'm saying I like his outlook and the fact that he's a one to three a lot more. That would excite me a lot more than like a Yelich or a Byron Alex, Buxton. Alex, he's 29. Yeah. He will give you a couple stolen bases, and his last year was not a, a consistent year to me. In which you think which is, is consistent. So no, no, no. I, I didn't say that. I said, I said he got hurt. Uh, and I should probably calm down. Um, I'm saying he got hurt. And the numbers he put up last year, to me, and he's a one, I, I like keeping guys who might be a little bit older as one to threes. That means I get potentially closer to keeping more years of their prime. Uh, fair. And their peak, yeah. So, so we, we differ on Taylor Ward. I also yes. am not a fan of a number of other. I, I think his best pick was Reed Detmers in the fourth. John had a number of picks in the top 70 picks overall. Uh, and you, on the flip side, were a big fan of a lot of these picks. I don't like Santander. Oh. I did not want Kirk. Uh, I didn't want Kirk about. either, but I also can't. He's got um, what I'd like to call the intangibles that he's just going to help John. <laughs> he's just going to help John's team. He's going to round them out, if you uh, if you will. Um, no, he's... Again, I like Santander. You and I differ on him strongly. And and I think all of your points are valid. He's injury prone. He's not a great fielder. And he's had mm-hmm. one good year. Um, but I think one of the themes that we're going to get to and kind of wrap up at the end is just the fact that, like, after a certain point, like, aren't all of these guys kind of, like, choose your own adventure? 
you know, and it's, it's, it's your, in this case, John's picking the fact he's banking on Santander hitting 30 home runs again. I see that as happening, especially in that lineup. I think he can have like, you know, the good counting stats. Um, I hear you. Now, so, and then, okay. Another, another pick I loved was um, Luis Garcia, the one with the Stevie wonder braids uh, for the Astros. <laughs> Astros pitchers do something or they drink water there or something, but like, I think that's a great pick. And, and there, just throughout John's draft, there were a number of guys. Um, I think even like Jose Miranda was somebody that you were like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably someone I would have liked. Um, I mean, in th- as a third baseman, yeah. I mean, there's the, the depth of third base is bad. So it was a, it's an interesting pick. Anyway, so I, I liked John's draft. Um, you and, and another one we'd probably differ on. You probably think Chris Sale in the fourth isn't a bad pick. Whereas I think Chris Sale's arm is dead. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, I, I wouldn't, I use them, not a do not draft list, but I, I just in the fourth round, no, no. Uh, Joe Ryan, no, uh, I don't, it, I mean, so the over, I can continue going down. I don't, I don't like most of the draft, his draft, but he's got right. such good keepers going into this. Uh, he drafted the entire Baltimore out, uh, outfield, which is kind of strange. Drafted um, or kept, or kept, sure, of course. Mullins is the, is the one to, to identify. Um, I like Sewell. Um, I like Cal Rally. He's got three catchers now. Um, so, uh, you know, a John's team's not bad at all. It's, it's a good team. I don't love his draft, and you you like it, so I imagine you are probably more uh, up on John's team going into this year than, than even me. But his team's going to be in the playoff hunt no matter what. It's one of the better Yeah, teams. that's – so I think that's a – a thing that we both agree on and, and we'll, we'll save kind of it. We'll, we'll mention it throughout as we evaluate teams, but we'll save the kind of our prediction of the end of year standings. Um, but I, I do like John's team. I think he did a good job with the draft. Well done the commission and welcome back. Um, I definitely don't think his team's going to finish as one of the bottom two in the league. Like it did last no. year. All right. Who's next? Um, um, Ken. Ken. The Mexicans. I'm going to um, throw out a guy that, I think we differ on. I'm just going to jump in here and say Yoshida. Um, you like the Yoshida pick in the third. I did. I, he was the one I had no idea if he was going to go in the first or the fifth. And I, I it was really hard to figure out when. Uh, I I like the on-base leadoff uh, guy and, and the WBC played really well. I mean, he, he can play. Um, he's not going to be a, a slap hitting uh, outfielder like I think a lot of people were thinking. He's going to be a little right. bit more, but is he going to be something akin to uh, Kosuke uh, Fukudome was, or is he going to be more like a Hideki Matsui, like a power guy? I think we can. And it was interesting. I remember at one point um, while you were here drafting with me, um, we were discussing kind of like. Um, we threw out Andrew Benintendi as a comp, right? Which yeah. no one, like I got Benintendi in the eighth. No one's really excited about him. I'm probably higher on Benintendi than most folks, but sure. like as a comp. And, and the only thing that I think changed since the draft was just kind of reflecting on how good Yoshida was in the World Baseball Classic. So where I'm going is just to say, I think whereas before we were kind of like comping, I was at least comping them. Um, I'm now more comfortable saying I think that like Ben Intendi is probably Yoshida's floor. Yeah, and I think that's pretty good. Uh, I, so, in getting back to Ken's team, I I like his draft, generally speaking. 
there's some things I could pick apart and, and complain about, like Jorge Mateo or uh, Andrew Heaney, um, Yadi Diaz. I liked, but, I liked the Tiedemann pick. I want. I just wanted to throw that out there. I know you and I have discussed yep. that too, where it's it's that might even be uh, – he's probably the number one minor league pitcher Four right pitchers. now. Yep. Um, and there's a chance he even makes it this year because they're basically – the realization that you say Kikuchi can't throw a strike away from calling him up. So right. that's, that's gotta be exciting for Ken too. Yeah. Uh, I like Cattell Marte in the fifth uh, in you, you, you have spoken many, many times about your hatred of Josh Bell at this point, your disappointment. Um, yeah. That's, that's one where, you know, first base was super weak. So I get it. I just, he's not one of those guys that I would look at as like, first off, he's inconsistent as crap. He's so hot or cold. And except for one year, he really hasn't put up great numbers consistently uh, again, uh, because he's only done it once. So I don't know. Hey, it's the, it's the Indians, which means he's going to get to pick on white Sox pitching a lot. Um, this, is, this is the first time in his career. He's playing in a division. That's terrible. Um, so, but you know, one, one thing to keep in mind is that this year uh, we have so many rule changes that are going on. One other that we haven't never spoken about is how now every team is balanced in terms of their schedule. It's not division heavy as much as it used to be. Yeah. So it's not quite, he, he gets to feast on the White Sox. He does, but uh, he still gets to feast on the White Sox and the other teams sure. in that division. But I think there are other I'll put it this way. When it comes to hitting, I think there are other rule changes that uh, not, that will impact the game more than schedule changes. So, for example, like I haven't looked at Josh Bell's hard hit rate and ground ball rate, but to the extent that let's say, and I know he's a switch hitter, but let's just say, you know, he, he would hit too many ground balls. Well, suddenly there's no shift. So, and you've got some people playing second base that, you know, I, I could probably play just mm -hmm. as good a second base as them. So that may be a factor anyway. That, that's, that's an example of one or like Nimmo is another one where I'm just like, nah, like I'm not excited about Stroman in the 13th was great value. I think Kepler's going to have a good year and that was an eighth round pick. Um, so I think Ken, I agree with you. I think Ken did a good job overall. Um, and you know, I will, we'll discuss later whether or not we think he's a lock for the playoffs or not, but sure. um it, uh, one last thing is I think the end of his draft, he did it with we'll, – we'll talk about this. Is m most teams do not do – I mean, everything after the 15th or 20th round is is speculative nonsense. But I think he got some interesting uh, relievers and prospects at the after the 15th round that are, are interesting upside plays. So, um, again, when we were all kind of just trying to fill out the roster, he was – he was taking some gambles on some prospects that uh, and relievers that I think will will net out pretty well. Namely, Gavin Williams, Jackson Merrill, right? Correct. Who are some of the other guys? Uh, I'm just Tanner Beebe, Zach Nito. Okay. Uh, yep. He took Walker Bueller in the 23rd round. So that might be of that keeper that uh, he can just hold on to. Uh, and Noel yeah. Marte, the third base shortstop for the Reds in the last pick. So uh, yeah. interesting stuff. Good job, Ken. Good. Uh, next team we're doing swing and miss and go ahead chip oh boy yeah well we're gonna spend a moment on this because i think we it, it gets into the kind of the the approach of the draft uh 
in general, I got my water going through my, my ceiling here. This is really nice. Good sound. Apologies. It's gone now. All right. So Gonzalo's team, the big overarching thing is about. Hold on. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, Chip, I just need to, I need to cut you off. Um, you know what it really would have prevented that water sound from making the podcast? The blanket? Yeah, the blanket. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Continue. Sorry. I just had to. Zavo's team is filled. His draft is filled with either upside or improvement players or uh, breakouts and prospects. From Buxton being an injury-riddled uh, upside play. Castellanos, is he going to bounce back? Newbar, I mean, Newbar had a breakout second half, but that was really only a month and a half stretch. Glasnow, fourth round, is injured. Great upside. Giolito had a terrible year. Is he going to bounce back? You love De La Cruz for some strange reason. I think he's pretty uh, terrible, but uh, that would be my, the first weird bad pick. Um, but then you go Brandon Fat, high upside pitcher for the, the Diamondbacks, who's in the minors right now, but it will come up. Brett Beatty, Nolan Gorman. The list goes on and on of just a head-scratching draft of he didn't take a lot of uh, high-floor, solid vet players. He went upside or bust. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think a good way, and you actually mentioned this before when we talked about it, was just looking at the team name, and that just sums up his draft. It's he it, either it's gonna his season is gonna be a swing or his season is gonna be a miss, and it's reflected by the players. To your point, Buxton. I mean, the, the thing I like about Buxton is um, I, I wouldn't. I had him last year. Um, he hit twenty eight home runs in like half the season. Um, which, which, and, and just pointing out, he hit more home runs last year than anyone on Vishnu's team. And he did it in three months. Right. So, yeah. but the problem is he didn't play it all this spring, except for, you know, maybe here in the last few days and he's, they might end up DHing him. They brought in Michael Taylor. Uh, and so their outfield is going to be Gallo Taylor. And I forget who else, but the, the idea there is that they're really going defense there. I'm not surprised if Buxton's a DH most of the year. Um, and, and hey, if that means he's going to play 150 games, worth it. But to, again, it's a swing or it's a miss. And yeah. um, and and I love Newt Bar. I had him last year for the good part of the season. Super hyped in uh, all the fantasy circles, but. I don't know. Is you know, again? He, is he going to improve on last year? Certainly, what he did last year isn't a second round pick, right? Um, no. So, and, and I like I wanted Newt Bar, but it. So and Second like round? I don't no. right. I don't like Castellanos. You know that uh, Glasnow. I love, but again, he's injured again, and um, you know, so. Yes, I think it's going to be, and don't get me started on Giolito, but my, my point is, I think that they're, um, you know, fat, I like, um, I think between fat and Beatty, he's going to have two guys that are going to be probably playing for the teams in April. Um, you know, it's once the Diamondbacks realize that they can't pay, um, or they can't play a guy like Madison Bumgardner, who's just going to throw out a five ERA every game, um, fat is up. Right. Totally. The same thing with, with Beatty. It's this Eduardo Escobar thing is if they struggle at all out the gate, Escobar's gone. Yeah. Um, 
so and Dela Cruz, I like he hits the ball really hard, and that's kind of important. Um, so uh, his his last you know month and a half last year, if he can maintain that for the entirety of a season, he's going to be uh, not just a breakout, but a, a really good uh, outfielder. So one last closing problem- thought on 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 Zavo's team is his keepers. I mean, this is a swing and miss type of draft, but his keepers. I think he's my and I maybe we need we'd love maybe Zavo to to chime in on this on the th- on teams or on the sorry on the the signals thread that we have but it screams to me that he's doing all this to accumulate prospects slash one to threes uh to to turn this into vet trades um so I envision that Vishnu is probably going to ma- have to make some trades this year to either if you want if he's trying to compete compete or if he's trying to rebuild for the key, a better keeper group, um, he probably should bundle a couple of these one to three breakout guys before they expire, essentially, uh, or go bust. Yeah, kind of the concern. I mean, uh, this is definitely a draft that I did about six years ago and blew up in my face. So I, uh, I assume it, that he has that in mind. To that end, as well, you know, one of the things that I think we commented on when we were looking at his keepers, specifically as pitchers, right? Hunter Green, exciting. George Kirby, yep. exciting. Um, Musgrove, Locke, Severino, exciting. Uh, Peralta, you know, exciting. The problem is all of those guys that I name, all either currently or will deal with injury issues. Um, and then you pick guys like Giolito. Uh, and then and then you have to, because of some of these, you know, the injuries, he already, he's already had to pick up German Marquez and you say Kikuchi. So it's one of those things where you you can't predict injuries, but I feel like you can think about risk and where you might have some risk. And probably for me, if I was keeping more volatile um, starters, I would have looked for high floor guys. Like, for example, like a Lance Lynn or, you know, like a Charlie Morton, somebody that, you know, is going to help you um, that maybe has less injury risk. Although I guess in the last year, Lynn and, and Morton can't be counted there. But my my point is more so just that, you know, you look at that and it's still like I I would have maybe have done differently if I wanted to compete this year. Um, yeah. So, um, okay. Next up, we have Chip's team. My team. I will abstain and, from commenting because I think my team's perfect. What do you think? You know, I, I think you did okay, man. I think – I think I like, I love the Abreu pick, obviously. You and I talked at length about that. Um, I know you actually don't even like Abreu um, as much, but very high floor. Um, I think Felix Batista is the best really pitcher in the draft. Uh, I love that you got Laser Ramon just because, again, intangibles. Um, the Schmidt pick drives me nuts because you got him in the 12th. And I had my, on my little draft list, I have Schmidt in the 10th round. Um, but because pitching, I felt faded. Uh, and was fading throughout the draft. I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep pushing it. And you stole him from me. Um, Swanson and Haas were both guys on my list that, that might do well. Um, I So I think you had a really good draft. I'll note that you drafted Thyroid Estrada. And no one on earth loves him more than the Giants, which is the only good thing about drafting him for you. Um, the other thing that you did, which frankly – I think I, I would characterize it as like in a in a draft of dictators, you just don't draft Hitler, right? Like 
he goes undrafted. Like we all know, but like, and you drafted Donaldson. Uh, Josh Donaldson is the equivalent of that. So in the 21st round and Clevenger in the 24th round, as long as you're carrying Josh Donaldson in your team, you shouldn't expect to win. Um, just saying. So otherwise, Chip, I think you did a great job. And, and I think that you're going to have a, a successful year. Um, so congratulations, Dick. Blessed, blessed. Uh, interesting metaphor of using dictators. Uh, just one note on that is the. I'm just trying to look for a way to compare Donaldson to Hitler, really. Oh, Jesus. Um, okay. Um, how did we feel about a role as Chapman years ago uh, and him beating up his, his uh, having his domestic issues? I don't it, think John Donaldson has any domestic issues. Uh, he doesn't have any domestic issues. Clevenger does. John Donaldson, Donaldson is, a, is an asshole, uh, I think, is the, no, is the nicest way to put it. He's the, the fantasy baseball equivalent of Hitler, I think. Um, that's exactly what I said like a minute ago. So um, <laughs> good luck with that. Okay, but, okay so you're right. calling a curse. You're, it's a curse. Okay. It is. You should, you should look to remedy that. You've already remedied the Clevenger uh, debacle, which is why I'm not going to spend time on it. And it appears I'll be the only guy who might even consider rostering Clevenger if he has a... a I did say... A- I- I did say that. I, I did say that I don't think that anyone else is going to roster Clevenger at all this season. Mm. So um, whether that's because he gets injured, he sucks, uh, whatever it or would be. Mm-hmm. Or both. Or the fact that no one wants, you know, a dude who's like Clevenger. I mean, again, he's been on the decline ever since he went to Wiener Circle and didn't order cheese fries. Um <laughs> That, that's, that's what people don't know is COVID lockdown. He and, and Plesak went there and he didn't order cheese fries. And this is what happens. Uh, I've been saying it for years. People always order the cheese fries. Always. All right. Auto Dave. Auto Dave. Auto. Oh, Dave. Um, okay. So Dave had a um, perplexing draft. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. Period. Full stop. But there are a number of players in, in here that, uh, I think are good values and are I th- fine. What are your thoughts? He's the other one where I just felt he consistently drafted players that I don't like. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't have much good to say. Um, it was a stretch when I, when I look, we, we read through this. Uh, there's a number of like Robbie Ray and Suarez are fine. It's unfortunate. Yes. Right in the IL. I did not like Bader. I like Gray, but you go through it, and I just—I'm not a big fan of the position or the player. Guriel, you can make an argument for contract year. Uh, you can make an argument. I like Whitlock in the fifteenth, but he's injured. I you like John Gray. You liked John Gray in the sixth, which which was uh, considering Gray is single-handedly responsible for me losing the championship last year. Um. I guess I hope he does well for you, mm. Dave. But um, JD Martinez is alive. Do we know? Is there any? Was he spring training at all? Yes, he was. Okay. All right. He's um, their DH. Oh, I I do want to get this on the record. Blue Jean Segura. Everyone, watch the Phillies. Apparently, he's exploded. Uh, he's a blimp. You mean the so, Marlins? Marlins. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, mm. That's right. He signed there after he became a blimp. He's probably the closest to Juan Uribe in real life right now, meaning Juan Uribe at the age of like 50, whatever, and yeah. Segura. 
I'm excited just to see that. But I, other than that, I, I really don't have any comments on, you know, folks that that I liked here that went yeah, to David. I liked Brandon Belt and Brock Burke and David Peralta, but none of this. Well, screams, Brandon Belt's, Belt is being started as a first baseman, and he's a DH. He's a DH. He needs to move him. Uh, but the point is, I, just, I, I don't think in, in general, his keepers plus this, it means I don't think Dave's going to have a strong year. Um but we've been wrong on this topic before. So we um, have, uh, we it, have, uh, it, it was hard to swallow when he, uh, the, 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 when he won it all, what, three years ago, it was very, that, that was very frustrating, but he got really hot and that's maybe something that will happen again. Yeah. All right. Number six, uh, we're going to do our sixth, the J who picked sixth, and then we're going to take a break. So get everything in that you have now. About Jay's yeah. team. Ooh, boy. Right. I guess I'll start if Chip's not ready. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. And uh, the, J- Jay's team is always perplexing because he is. I'm just get. I'm not going to go into specific players. So uh, initially, he is. His team is always a perplexing draft year over year over year. I, it's always filled with players I don't really like. But in the end, they always materialize being uh, a pretty good year. He has a number of good players here that I like a little bit. But like the, we'll start off with Anthony Rendon in the second round. It's just, that, that was a it's a terrifyingly bad pick. But <laughs> I agree. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? I, no, that's we do know. And, and the other thing that I just want to bring up is they also this offseason added Gio Urshela, Brandon Drury. They already have Louis Rengifo, who can play any position. They are well, ready for him. Exceedingly well. Um, then they got David Fletcher. They've got is not they're, they're gonna bring back Matt Duffy. You know, like they're my point is just that I as much as I like Ward for playing on that team, um, I wouldn't count on Anthony Rendon hitting him in and getting a lot of uh, RBIs because knocking I, on wood, Rendon's gonna have five hundred at bats this year and uh be bounced back. And, yeah, right. Well that that is something that would happen. On Jay's team, Only on which Jay's is a concern. Team. So, like, had anyone else drafted Rendon in the second, I would have been like, that was dumb. Jay did it, and I feel like they have some type of blood pact or something, or Jay put a Hogwarts spell on him so that he's not going to get hurt. I don't know, but... Yeah, so, it, anyway, Jay's team's filled with a certain type of player, and beyond Rendon, and uh, between Renfro, Stanton, Naylor... Drury and the list goes on. Solaire, Kana, he loves home runs. So his team is stacked with a lot of home run hitting guys, and uh, he's doesn't have any speed really to note at whatsoever. Uh, Agreed. I it question is for you deal. is Jorge Solaire on his team in May, still on his team in May at by, by May 31st or 30? Yep, 31st. I'm gonna say yes solely because Jay doesn't drop people. No, well, and Jorge Soler is having a bounce back here. You think so? No, I just because Jay drafted him. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's what um, I, I loved. I love some picks, um, homers in you know both Naylor and Duran, who were great on my team last year. I really like those guys. Um, I like Kanya. He got him later. Um, after I made some terrible, or right before I think I made some terrible outfield picks. Um, 
it was really the Rendon thing that I didn't get. And, and, oh, and, and Kepik, I just, uh, I don't have any faith that Michael Kepik is going to be starting. <laughs> come. I'll, I'll go online and saying I, April, I watched him last year. He got hurt every start, right? Every start. Um, so good luck with that, Jay. Um, but that being said, Jay's a good uh, in-season tactician, I suppose, and uh, he'll he'll navigate his way through this. And uh, how much value is it in the drafts, really? Uh, it's a lot of filler. It, there's not a lot of like, ooh, this guy is going to be amazing. The one, and and I agree with you on the 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 in-season weekly tactical moves that Jay does. I know he he spends time on it and he's good at it. But I guess my point is just that whereas in years past, I think some of those questionable names, like like for example, Tyler Anderson last year, where you, you ended, picked him last and then dropped him and Jay got him when he got hot. That's an easy start. But Jay also doesn't really drop a ton of players during the course of the year. So that's where I just think like I look at Kepik and I'm like, I think Jay's gonna hold on to him all year and it's gonna be a dead roster spot. That's all right. That's fair. So I, who knows what happens with Kepek? One last thing about Jay's team, and I uh, spoke with Jay about this uh, last week, uh, real briefly. And I, I'm really intrigued by how long everyone takes with their picks. I believe I might be the shortest in the draft. I took my average probably is very very low, low like 20 seconds. His almost every single pick of his is a minute. <laughs> like he took almost all the time possible to make for every single selection. That's just an yeah. odd oddity of his uh, drafting style. No, because I think more so, I'll put it this way. I struggle more with myself when I have like players in the queue and who I want to pick. I feel like Jay, maybe more than others in the draft, looks at like, okay, who does who who would take this player? This guy has X number of second baseman already, so da-da-da. And like, oh, like I'm guessing, you know, I, I just see him deliberating about kind of forces outside of his own rankings and more so like tactically being like, I think I should need to take this person here because there's only six catchers left or whatever. I don't really do that much of that. I'm more mm-hmm. so like internally, like, is it too early to pick Clark Schmidt? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I know I want Schmidt, you know what I mean? Like, anyway. Sure. Um, so it was just interesting. Him- you're, you're for the record, you were actually either really fast or exceptionally slow. Uh, and I think at round 11 is when the wheels came off for your draft, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, it, it's just interesting that Jay took a lot of time with his draft. That's all every year. Mm-hmm. Um, also, folks, like every year with every episode, we need to go to our sponsors. So Please listen to this ad. It's going to be amazing. Chip might even figure out how to update it before we post this. We'll see. Uh, we'll be back in a few. Welcome back. That was refreshing. Thank you. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to. We're going to the. That's like the eighth time I've heard that today, people. Okay. Um, it, that's refreshing. Uh, it, we're going to every single time. It's refreshing. Number seven. Uh, number seven, which is Chen and the Crips. Yes. Chip, what'd you think? Oh, Lordy. Um, this is another one where you and I, I think, diverged uh, in, in our views. Yes. 
it, 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 before getting into the players, the, the approach or his, the philosophy or the strategy that he has, he has an elite level of group of keepers. So he basically just, in years past, you'd always continue to take high upside guys. This year, I don't think he did that. I think he went with more floor players uh, like Yelich, Romano. Uh, I like, I mean, Donovan's kind of, I think he's, it, it's kind of a boring pick. I'm not a big fan of Donovan, but if, if he's second base, pretty normal. Sonny Gray, Luis Urias. He has a lot of players with, I think, that are minimal upside, but are a high floor players. Um, yeah. And you like his, his draft? I did. I did. I think he did. A good, to your point, you know, the criticisms of years past, it would just be, you know, only upside and, and largely just super young players uh, without any track record. And I think that this year he did a better job of, to your point, kind of floor. I would even say like Gillich, I think is a high floor guy. So, um, you know, players like that, that are a little bit older, that, that aren't going to be keepers, but right. will be contributors to what is going to be a very good team this year. Probably um, right. there are some, you know, we, we looked at his pitching uh, when we looked at that in more depth, it's, you know, he's down McKenzie already. Um, and he's got some risk there with McClanahan being an injury guy and DeGrom being an injury guy. So, you know, there, I, I think what we discussed before chip was just this idea that, you know, I think Chen's going to be very successful due in large part to his keepers. Yes. Um, And frankly, you could even say solely due to his keepers, but his keepers, if healthy, are that good. So he just needed to not mess up the draft. And I think he did that this year. Yeah. And I think the, the, the other angle on his team for the year is, is the, all these, it's basically a tale of two halves. He's got Bryce Harper on the IL until June ish. And he's got Fernando Tatis Jr. out until May. He's already got an injury with McKenzie. Uh, he's got an injury with Iglesias and Suarez. Question is, it, can he make it out? Can he make it to June without his team um, crap in the bed to a certain extent? Um, he's rostering Eric Hosmer, for the record. He is, he's oh, rostering wow. a number of players that may not ha- be very good. And the question is, is he going to pivot? Cody Bellinger, James Outman. Um, yes, he has. I, gave, I traded him Jordan Walker for Cease, and he's, he's and Jordan Walker made the team. But you know, like Jordan Walker feasted on the really bad pitchers in spring training, and then the last two weeks hasn't been the same uh, versus all the 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 guys coming back from WBC. I you know there's a there's a scenario where I don't think his team is as hot. And I asked you the question of if he, after getting through May. Do you think he? Do you think he'll be above 500 or below 500 by uh, first week of June? Yeah, and we looked at his schedule um, for the first eight weeks there, which, frankly, I don't know. Is the altar break only after eight weeks, or is it closer to ten? Whatever. But no, it's into July. That's more like 12 to 14 weeks in. Yeah. So, like, you know, first I, I, through his first eight games, I certainly before folks come back from injury, right? That's I think the metric we were trying to figure out was like. Yes. Like, when do we expect Harper and Tatis and McKenzie back, which is about eight weeks for all three of them back? I still think he's be over 800 based on his schedule, um, which includes 
Well, excuse me. Yes, I think he's going to be over 500 based on his schedule, which includes you. So yes. I'm just going to go on the record as saying he's going to beat you that week. Um, oh, yeah, that's, that's I don't even need to know what. Yeah, I don't even need to know. I'm just going to. Just I, I hereby it. proclaim it. You'll lose to Vishnu and I'll lose to Chen. It's oh. uh, it makes sense. <laughs> Can you imagine anyway, how bad next week's episode is going to be if I actually do lose to Vishnu? Uh, anyway, riveting, riveting. Chen, Chen, I think that you did a great job in doing finding what you needed to do, just like not to crap the bed, and um, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, I think you need you need you need health and uh, your keepers to to hold you. Uh, yeah. All right. If you don't know, next up right, is next. low. The real girl's going wild. Um, let's. So, can I just go on my intangibles thing? Yes. Louis Arias, uh, Miles Michaelis, and Ozzy Cabrera. The intangibles, low. I'm with you. I'm with you. Those three players will take you probably to the playoffs. They're going to be the only reason that you make it, frankly. But you have. Uh, if you don't think that, uh, or the, if you want to trade those guys, man, just go to me because I'll trade them just for the intangibles. Okay. What, what, um, what, what, my only comment about the intangibles, those three players, he spent like 12 seconds total choosing all three of those guys. Those were yeah. like immediate. He did yeah. not belabor. He didn't contemplate. It was, it's the, he had it's the intangible chip. I don't expect you to understand the intangibles, but like Michaelis, the mustache, everything he did for Team USA, uh, this World Baseball Classic. And then like last season, you get him in the seventh round. That's a no brainer. Okay. I don't know when he got Ozzy Cabrera. I don't know where Ozzy Cabrera is going to play. I don't know if he's going to play, but. The attitude on my team after I drafted or after I picked up Ozzy Cabrera last season, it like the clubhouse atmosphere was just like, he's an amazing team player. You can't like intangibles. Okay. Unlike, for example, like Jose Barrios getting drafted at all. I don't (laughs) understand that, but I'm going to let Chip go into some of the more, the the other players uh, apart from the guys that I love. I'm not a fan of his draft. It's, there, there's a couple players I I like it and like them their value, but uh, it's not a good draft. And Low has, you know, has been building up keepers and and doing a really good job of of competing uh, in the last couple of years, getting up to and being in the playoff race. This draft, I don't see it helping, and uh, it's it's it befuddles me. It's the, the the player that I like the most is Torkelson in the sixth, but again, that's like a that's a, a high risk play because he might just not be anything. He might not be that's very like, good. That's one of my. That might be my second least favorite outside of Barrios on his in his draft. Right, which it's, is just interesting. Like, like I love Logan Webb, and I know you don't. Um, and and Logan Webb being a ground ball pitcher might get he might be terrible this year. Um, and you know, and I know like his K per nines were down last year right chip isn't there some wasn't there some story about like he did like acknowledge that like he was trying to do something and not concerned with the k's or something does that ring a bell uh no but i mean in general he is a ground ball guy whose k per nines is 7.6 but he's it's never been his thing uh i mean he was health i mean that was his first big year all the other stats held up 
um, besides K's. Um, and I'm wondering if the actual the shifts are going to go against him, where right. a lot of those shifts for those ground balls uh, that were caught are now going to be going through. And so I wonder if his his whip and, and whatnot is going to go up. He's going to have a higher strain rate the whole nine yards. So I wouldn't be surprised if his ERA is closer to four next year. That's my angle. But I know. Yeah, but is, as a like, second pitcher taken off board in the draft, Dave took Robbie Ray, and I feel like Robbie Ray <laughs> might have a four ERA at the end no, of the exactly. year. I think all of them um, have, have carry risk of some sort of. Yeah. I think Ray because of the Ks, but right. I understand. Whereas I could see, like, if, if Webb still being a one to three has, you know, a good. Adds the K's back, right, and doesn't get any, nothing else. Kind of um, goes astray. I think he might be, you know, a, a keeper type of player. Um, not, not, not necessarily. I'm not calling him an ace, but could he be? I don't know. I, I like the upside there more than I do for like 38 year old. Actually, I think he's only like 33. Um, Robbie Ray, but okay. Um, intangibles, people. Uh, you know, just. I, if I could just teach you guys what I know about them and how to find them. Um, moving on, Sunny 6K. Uh, oh, Neil. Yeah. So, May they're. I? Yeah, please. May I? I mean, yes. Look, okay, going into the year, his keepers are the best they've ever been historically. It is. Sunil should be living on cloud, uh, cloud nine, super happy, super excited about this year. And what does he do this year? He shits the bed with this draft. It's it's arguably the worst draft of anyone in the league this year. And it's not – I don't think it's close, but you're going to – you might disagree with me. I don't like basically all of his picks. Uh, I might nitpick and like Evan Carter, who you love even more. Um, there's – it's just a lot of players of very boring um, – not really any, not even like a high floor per se. There's just a lot of like downside risk of all these different players between Whit Merrifield, Nestor Cortez, Gonsolin, uh, Winter. Chapman. Exactly. Menezes has been horrible in spring training. Merrill Kelly, I don't understand the appeal of him whatsoever. I don't. Well, I'll tell you what, no American does after that performance exactly. uh, in World Baseball Classic. Patrick Wisdom can't walk. I mean, the, it just goes on and on and on. Sunil definitely ruined his team with this draft. And I don't know if he can overcome it. I'm going to, I'm going to pick on two themes that I used in describing Lowe's draft. And I'm going to go to not two themes necessarily, but the first theme being intangibles and <laughs> Sunil, your 21st round pick was the best pick of your draft. Jacked up, super svelte, probably roided up mm. Louis Rengifo. Louis Rengifo is the only reason that I made it to the playoffs last year. And again, the intangibles on that guy, plus the fact that despite the, you know, the people who you look at their line or excuse me, their infield and you're like, okay, they've got a lot of players there. Um, they don't really have a shortstop. Louis Rengifo. I'm telling you, he's going to be the best player on the best second best. Mm, he's going to be the second best. No, I'm going to say it. He's going to be the best angel in uh Sunil's lineup. Okay. That's yeah. a bit of a stretch. Um 
Sunil has Shohei, but I know. Rengifo, Rengifo with the intangibles. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, the other thing I was going to say, like Gonsolin was the one thing that I just remember hearing over and over again from Eno Saris and Rates and Barrels was that Gonsolin had the highest percentage of outs from the shift. And the shift is gone. Yes. And I don't like Gonsolin anyway, because frankly, I don't necessarily trust, uh, you know, like men who are cat first people. Um, so, well, yeah. What does it have to do with anything? Because Gonsolin's a super cat guy. He's got like, he's like the old cat lady, only he's like a 27 year old man. It's really weird. Now, okay, pause. I actually think Gonsolin might, he may not repeat his ERA to one for you. You're the second biggest Gonsolin fan other than Tony Gonsolin himself. Okay. Sure. sure. All I'm trying you, to say you is like I, him. I wonder if Gonsolin has, has 24 starts like he did last year, 130 innings, similar Ks, higher ERA, maybe like a three and a half ERA. Would that surprise you? No, I, I, what I think, I think he's going to actually have like a catastrophic cat induced injury. Like where like <laughs> in, in his sleep, his cat's going to tear up his pitching hand and he's not going to be able to pitch or something. Um, that's what I'm waiting for. Mm. Well, that might not happen, but you know, a, let's say even if that doesn't happen, there are enough things that I, I don't see that are going to go well for him this year that I just, I've never liked Gonsling. So that hasn't changed, but yeah. Louis Renkafo. The other guy on the other side of town in Los Angeles, Louis Rengifo. Okay. One last thing on Sunil's team, uh, so we can move on, is I, I think one overarching thing that Sunil will have to look at is the fact that he has a lot of guys who are on the brink of retiring or, and or are so bad, I don't understand why they have jobs. So you might want to look into uh, youth um, and maybe trade some of your vet keepers or your, those keepers uh, for some prospects. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to, you know, poo poo everyone on your team, but uh, Kevin Kiermaier should be retired. Jesus Aguilar should be retired. Uh, Urshela is on the brink. Garrett Cooper's awful. I can't understand how he's even like rostered full, full stop. Uh, AJ Pollock. I think he's getting cut. If, if I'm not mistaken, Patrick. No, Wisdom's they're gonna, they're gonna Will Myers. Come on, dude. It's been five years. Enough is enough. It's bad. So yeah, it's almost as bad as like picking Josh Donaldson or Matt Clevenger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yes. But, uh, no, I. I'm all for Sunil. Sunil made some trades. He did get Logan Ohapi, who's probably going to be his starting catcher, yes. by hoodwinking me into trading for a relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. You know, Sunil, keep trading. Just Finger don't pick on me. Do not, yeah. do not pick on me anymore. Sunil, mm. uh, the door's always open. You can trade me any one of your keepers. All right, let's get to the next one. Is it you? Yeah. Oh, oh no. Well, I don't know how how to put it, um, but your team is not my favorites either. My team or my draft? Let's, let's, let's focus here. The draft. I think the first five, five-ish rounds were, were solid. As, as, as I, I like them, no questions. But the wheels came off in the, in the sixth round with Garrett Mitchell. I, don't, I mean, 
everything I've read, every projection has him. This is you picked him way too early, way yep. too early. You could have waited another yep. seven rounds. What maybe going through your head? Maybe, maybe there are other like minded fantasy owners in our league that were like, huh, I wonder if I can get him in the eighth, or were asking themselves, is the ninth round too early? Um, and I just preempted all that by taking him in the sixth. They didn't have to think about it. You're welcome, everybody. Okay. <laughs> I had, for the record, as you guys are aware, the way I do my rankings are weird, but I basically, you know, I don't rank kept players. I just look at all the, the people available and I come up with players that I want on my team that I really want on my team and players that by under any circumstances will never ever be on my team. So right. like my, my top 30 didn't include Alejandro Kirk. And that's just because even though like, I like him, I just knew I was not going to draft him this year. So, and, and the same thing with Williams Contreras wasn't on, like wasn't in my top 50 or 60 because I was not going to be drafting sure. a catcher that early. So again, there, it's not like, you know, but yeah, like I had Ward at number two behind Bregman, uh, who I did include just for metrics and I had Mitchell like in my top 30. So strange. that's just strange. I was actually, I was actually prepared to take him earlier um, and, and didn't uh, because some other guys fell that I liked uh, who were higher. So I know you don't like him. And the other thing I want to, in my defense, I cannot, I've never had a good outfield ever. My <laughs> outfield is always the worst. Ronald, smooth like, Ron, and then a bag of nuts. No one. And like before smooth Ron, it was like, Aaron judge, but Aaron judge would get hurt. Like I'm not, I can't do outfields. And yes, there were tactical errors made largely due to you distracting me and harassing me during the draft. However, you just made a bunch of terrible picks. The the Trace Thompson pick was because I was getting frustrated because chip was being annoying. And then I had to fall ahead of him, but then Mm -hmm. Duvall made to the next round, and I was like, I have to take him because my outfield's so bad. Look, there's never let Chip invite himself over to your house for the draft, okay? It's it's like, it's worse than when Josh sicked Jonah on me at Jay's house that one year. Um, and, like, Jonah would be, like, screaming out the guys I have in my queue. Uh, okay, so uh, to close out, some kindness. I do like the Derek Hall. Uh, pick that was before the injury of course that got so lucky i know i lucked into that one i think that's a good one i I, I, we didn't mention this before but i i like rafael montero's reliever uh for the astros i didn't didn't draft montero i picked him up after the draft (laughs) that's fantastic too um I mean, what, what, Michael Massey, what, the second baseman, is going to be on Jay's team. It's just a matter of what you get. I've already got trade offer in hand. Um, <laughs> however, the asking price, way too low. I know I can get more from you for Massey. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should give you a counter just so and, and so Jay will have it uh, floating over yes. his head and he has to pay up. Um, Massey anyway, is team, available. Anyway, your team, your keepers are very good. Uh, I don't understand your draft after the sixth round, but I think that the first five picks were good enough that I think you're, you're getting good enough shape um, for the year. Um, it, did, yeah. it did go off the rails uh, after the sixth round, during the sixth round and after, but that's again, when I was kind of 
unscripted um, because of Chip also. Um, all right, last all right. team. Gosh. Uh, Defending uh, Asterix champion Josh. Nope. Right. Defending well, Asterix champion Asterix Josh. Okay. So keep in mind, he had he has very good keepers going into the into the draft. So he really just needed to have a safe draft. And this is far from a safe draft. Uh, this is there's I, I don't I like some of the picks. I hate some of the picks. I've I scratch my head for most of it. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I like Helsley. Anything before that? Um, I think he got Mancini at a bargain, which is great. Then he goes and like, I think John Flaherty's done. So that's a wasted pick. Jock Peterson in the eighth round. He's a DH. That's a wasted pick. Then you get Mancata and... Um, no, I'm sorry. He got Jock and I think of the fifth. Yeah. He got Moncada. He got Moncada and Grandal. Those guys are dead. I, I suspect the only reason he took them was because anything that has former brutes on it is magic on his team. But like, I'm with you, man. I looking at his, his pitching staff where, where he started with Alcantara. Um, Rodon's already hurt, but um, you know he's got Scherzer, Alcantara, and Manoa. And then you look at the rest of that rotation. Bleh. especially without Rodon and it's like okay like I can beat that so his first I, starting his first pitcher was Jack Flaherty right uh do I have that right yeah first pitcher that he picked up in the 11th round so he he was not prioritizing picking picking any guys I bet he was he was trying to get and, Flaherty. well no it's not but my point like and I think pitcher I mentioned it earlier but like I think pitchers actually fell like there yeah I, there were guys that are like so it's it's not even so much like question take waiting until the 11th round to take a picture it's it's kind of like why jack flaherty like that's just not like jack flaherty's the guy that you draft in the 20th round and see if he comes back or goes undrafted there have have been pitchers that have been picked up post draft that i like more than jack flaherty this year totally so one other guy that was very surprising that fell was urquidy who some systems like him a lot more than others. Um, he was drafted really early last year. I don't understand the hate on Jose Arquiti. Uh, so that, I think that was kind of a good pick late. Um, like you, I don't, I wasn't in the need of a, of a, of a, a pitcher at that point. Um, but I, it was strange that he fell. Yeah. He was like a top four round pick last year. Um, I think when the Astro Astros magic kind of doesn't apply to Kitty. He's, you know, Saris and his system love him, but he just isn't that successful in practice. And last year, you'll recall, they moved him to the bullpen. So, like, he's clearly, at this point, both Javier, rightfully, and Luis Garcia, maybe not as rightfully, have leapfrogged Kitty. And, and frankly, probably Hunter Brown has, too, um, if he wasn't hurt right now. So, like... I think he was drafted appropriately. Um, I'm, I, I might not be as surprised that he fell. That's all. Yeah. In any case, I, I, I like his relievers. I don't think his, his draft did him serve, good service here, but he took Kellenic. So Kellenic's guaranteed loss yeah, of MVP. runs. MVP. MVP. Yeah. Yes. All-star Probably. game for sure. Uh, yeah. Which as a Seattle Mariners uh, fan, uh, however you want to put it nowadays, 
I uh, I support. So thank you and for taking him. As somebody who will be attending the All Star Game in Seattle, uh, if he makes it, I'm going to be livid. I'm actually going to make a T-shirt that's like anti-Kellenic T-shirt. Why? Why do you hate him so much? There are a number of reasons, Chip. He's also besides like, being bad. Besides, I've never met him, so I can't say like personally. Uh, he's a douche. He's a delight, I'm sure. I'm sure. He's no, I feel like across the board, he's like even not having met him, I'm pretty sure he's a douche. I'm just okay. saying. Hold on. Okay, just I'm looking at another outfielder just as a comp. What do you? No, think I'm talking about him you? personally, Chip. Over I which we, I have no basis for my Jacques belief. Peterson. Do you know anything about Jacques Peterson? Yeah, he's actually a really nice person. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, how do you know that? Uh, I was watching a, one of the Giants games, and I guess Jock's younger brother has Down syndrome. And so he, like, what? I'm, it's like he's, they showed him, like, during this, and it was like, he's like a super nice guy. Like, he lives with his brother, and like all this. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just felt, I felt, I, I finished watching that. And I was like, I like Jock Peterson. Okay. I, I, I assume that's that's correct. I assume positivity. Everyone is good until you're not. Um, so yeah, Kellenic's a douche, man. Like damn. Okay. Yeah. Hundred percent. Josh, right. I will I will take him off your hands, and I can guarantee if he's on my team, he's going to be terrible. But think of this: who else in our league would you want him to be terrible on their team? Me. Mm-hmm. Because you know I'm going to be the most vocal about it. I'm going to be the most fun about it. And you clearly like to see me lose. I have never said that. Uh, yeah, he did. He said it by beating me in the finals. He oh, could have just uh, you not tried. Yes. Well, Josh. Good point. Good point. Anyway. All good points. Yes. All right. So Josh is we, in good we, shape, but I, I don't think his, he had the greatest draft. I, not a big fan. Anyway, that closes I, out the draft. So close out the draft. I think there are a couple observations that we wanted to make. I have one chip. I know you have another. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first one I'll go with is just I, I've been shocked at the number of drafted players that have already been dropped for reasons other than injury. Um, we always have like injuries. We have to do that. But like there are a lot of folks who have been picking and choosing from various folks available on the waiver wire. And um, I think that's happening more this year. And I think it, goes to the second thing that I'm going to give to you, which is just the fact that like there really weren't that many great players available and it was choose your own adventure. Um, but kind of more parody, right. Amongst like who's getting drafted, where is that? Was that a good enough transition in chip to the point that we want to make well, to, to, to address your first point, just before I move on to that, there's been, there was a lot of drops last year, not, quite to the same extent uh, that's going on right now. And I think some of it is due to injuries and some of the dynamics of uh, WBC making it hard, obfuscating a lot of the uh, uh, roles and whatnot. So we aren't sure. And uh, with all the just, there's a couple of prospects that have made it. So it means the other players didn't make it. It kind of makes sense that there's more of these moves, Um, but they're not injury related. It's more of just, um, the back of the draft, I, th- I hope everyone's kind of realizing that they're all just, they're castaways, that they're all fungible. They're, they're really not that valuable. Um, With the exception of Louis Rengifo. Just want to put that out there. Right. It's the 18th or whatever round, but yes. 21st. Um, 21st. 
Uh, yeah. So what was your second point? No, the second point was just more that I think you kind of hit Parody. on it towards the end. Yes. Parody. I think, yeah, I think that honestly, most we, we have the healthiest diversity in terms of uh, uh, teams being fairly equal in talent at this point. Um, I said it last year. I kind of mean it more now. I mean, Vishnu even had a, a better draft. I don't think he's going to be as quite as uh, rough as he was last year. Um, and I don't see a runaway. Like last year, we said Josh's team was a runaway out of the draft. Um, and I don't see anyone running away like we did uh, last year. Um, but we've been wrong about that. Yeah. As too. I think more teams are pretty balanced. Uh, when We're about to talk about projections. I think that uh, the difference between the top teams and number uh, number ten, uh, maybe m- number nine, is there's it's real small. It's real small. Yeah, and yeah, I, I hear that. I think, and, and let's just. I guess we can just go ahead and skip to kind of the preview, and, and you let me know what you think in terms of uh, how I'm I'm how I'm envisioning the end of season standings to look. Um, I think I have Chen and Josh as kind of locks to be among the two best teams, the two top teams in the, in the league. And, you know, it would be easier for me to say that if Josh had maybe, you know, drafted better starters and, and just generally drafted a little bit better. And, um, you know, Chen, like, when I say that, you just look at his keepers, and he should be there, barring huge injuries. He should be there every year, and he kind of already has some of those injuries. So, mm. you know, but I still like those two teams at the top, and then and then I think you know there's between you and me and someone new into this group this year, but I think the commission is back. I think that uh, Cambodian Flying Canucks are back. So I think that those five teams are going to probably round out the top five playoff spots. Um, and then before you opine, so then I've kind of on the, on the wings there, I've got like Ken low Jay and Sunil. I could see any one of those teams definitely getting the sixth spot, but also potentially knocking somebody out. Hopefully not me. Um, I, with- and I like, I think that the difference between my team and Lowe's team is very, is minimal. I, you, and just because I think that there's more randomness at this point of of all those other players that we have on our teams that are, we, yeah, but I we, so we, I we still like your... an hour talking about like our opinions on these players of that were drafted. That's just our opinion. That's not right. What's going to happen? Um, I do agree with you that Josh and Chen probably had the two best keepers going into the draft. I don't think either of the teams really helped themselves with the draft. So I don't right. think that they are in that tier anymore. Um, and in fact, I, I'm willing to gamble, not gamble, but I think there's a good chance that one of them, one of those two teams doesn't even make the playoffs this year. That's my bold prediction. And I think you mentioned the the top eight. I, there's a good chance that Sunil and Jay could be at the top of the, of the rank at the end of the year. And that, even though, despite all of what we just said, so I think there's a lot of parity, and it'll be an exciting year. But I think that one thing that we haven't stated out loud is I think that Zavo's team—it was a head scratcher of a draft and uh, is probably rebuilding. Vishnu is clearly in Vishnu land, and 
Is there is there another team you think? Auto Dave. You think Dave's down there too? Yeah, I don't think that between I, I like a lot of Dave's keepers, um, but I just wasn't that. You know, the draft to me, I don't know how it's like. He's again, I think there's still positions he's gonna have to fill. Like he's gonna have to stick somebody in first base, and yeah. like that's gonna be a suck because no one good's there. Um, yeah. and, and and again, but it was it was largely, I think, to your point, like it's it's my opinion. I I just didn't like a lot of the guys he drafted and I can 100% be wrong. And right. as the, you know, his championship however many years ago shows that it, it happens. I can totally be wrong. <laughs> On the flip side, I'm going to go 22 and 0. So um, just book it. Just, uh, I'm, I I'm think, not gonna, just book it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Chip. <laughs> I think like here, here's going to be the issue. And, and I think you're going to realize it pretty early on that I'm right. Last year, you had Kleenex on your team. Mm. Destined for failure. Destined, yes. Destined for failure. This year, you, know, you, got, you, you finally got rid of your whole addiction to the Kleenex, okay? And this year, <laughs> like, so you, you could go 22-0, and then what do you do? You draft, and you're rostering Josh Donaldson. I'm going to go on the record as saying there's zero chance you can go 22-0, and there's a big part of that is the fact that you have Josh Donaldson on your team. Well, the, but there's a reason why I have Josh Donaldson on my team. He's no my one cares. Head. You know, what? there's a reason. There's a reason some people like Titler. No one cares. They were wrong. I need another. I need a, 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 a better second, third base. I'm hoping Paredes is it breaks out in this first half. If he does, Donaldson will see his rear end on the free agent wire by May 1st. I just doubt it. I doubt you know, it. what's going to happen is you're going to go own four by May, or excuse me, own four by May 4th or 30th. And um, excuse me, own four by May 1st. And you're going to drop Donaldson because you realize he's a curse. <laughs> he um, will be dropped. But I know, you know, you know what? We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not I'm exactly. Not see, you can't even, you can't even commit to dropping him. It's, it's, it's I'm a not sickness. thrilled with him. But Chip, it's a sickness. You've got to get rid of these curses that you just carry. And then, you know, we have to hear about like, oh, my team's not playing as well. And it's like, easy answer, man. Cut Donaldson. All right. Fair, um, enough. Fair enough. Is it? All right. Yeah, hey, so. It kind of is. I have one. La- I have a random factoid if you're ready for one. It's really just fun. Let's hear you ready? it. Yeah. All right, so you mentioned there's a lot of transactions happening right now. Let's let me remind everyone that everyone makes a number of very strange and very amazing uh, pickups in the first month in April. And Uh-oh. let me just give you a, a taste of what happened last year uh, post draft. And I'm I'm this is not all. I'm not going to do all. I'm just going to do a couple, just because there's a lot of ad drop one you know, one piece here and there that are harmless, really. Like me dropping Robinson Cano last year after the draft. That was a terrible idea to draft him, and I admitted it about a few days later. I get it. But there are some notable guys that switch teams. I, uh, notably, um, I picked up Tyler McGill. Remember, he was red hot in all of April, and then he essentially got hurt. Uh, I picked him up after the draft. You picked up Joan Duran and dropped Ken Giles. 
uh, on the 7th of April. That was a notable one because he was a pretty good reliever for the rest of the year, correct? Yeah. The big one was Chen picked up Spencer Strider on the 8th of April. And he did not stay on that team for very long. He went to Jay, correct? Yep. Not soon thereafter, he got dropped uh, a few weeks later. Uh, or a few. I'm trying to scroll. Be be mindful of time here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to point of point of clarity here. Clarification. On the 24th, I, he dropped him. Of what? Of April. So two weeks. Yeah, later, that's like that's like three weeks right? into the season. I'm talking about before the season's even started. I know, I know. I'm just forecasting. I'm looking ahead for everyone that there's going to be guys added and dropped that are going to be interesting values for the rest of the year. Uh, I picked up Clay Holmes by the end of April, and he was a fine close of the year. Missed my point entirely. I know, No, you're talking about right now, post-draft. I'm talking about post-draft to before after season. season after the season yes. starts. There's a and, and yes, after players. the season starts, people... Yes, like I, you know, you, I pick up Pyle Wright, whatever. There's the reasons to do that because you've seen performance. I'm talking about like sight unseen. No, I no, drop Luis Ortiz. I drop right. Luis Ortiz and I pick somebody else up. Sight unseen, um, you know, someone drop. I feel like there are a lot more of those in between poster. And maybe, frankly, it's because have we had more time? Did we have like less than 10 days the last time we dropped? I don't know. Um, meaning, Possibly. Number of days between draft and opening day. Two weeks versus and, we drafted on the, I think the fifteenth or something like that of April. No, we drafted on. Didn't we draft what? Oh, last year. Last year. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the lockout. Didn't we? Yeah, didn't we have the draft? Right. No, anyway, we had this it, is so right way too end, much time on this. Yeah, we had yeah, we're spending too much time on this, but it was at the end of April, right after the lockout ended. Anyway, let's move so, on to our final topic. Yep, you do it, man. It's yours. Well, I I brought up this idea when I invaded your house uh, for the draft, and uh, I, I think we need a fun topic to bring some lighthearted fun to the podcast. And we were watching Kindergarten Cop, and which spurred me on to ask the question, which I maybe this clicked in your head, but uh, what happens after the movie ends of Kindergarten Cop? Do nope. they get married? You asked. You asked what happens. What happened before? Well, yeah. What led to this all? And then right after. And then- what I gave happened? you the dark version. Well, we all know what happens. I, I gave that. I gave the dark version to you on draft day. Um, but yeah, like so. Obviously, Arnold marries the woman who you know the the, the loose woman who slept around with all sorts of criminals, <laughs> aka Dominic's mother. And Arnold and that woman have a baby. And Dominic's uh-huh. a terrible stepbrother. And then Dominic becomes a school shooter. And what do you know? His dad's a cop. So then we like see the aftermath of like how Arnold deals with that and ultimately probably commits suicide. Wow. Okay. Every time you tell that story, it gets darker and darker. Okay. So there yeah. are other, other movies though of interest where I, I'm really curious about the prequel or the sequel that they never, that they never made. Um, so we are asking you all to start thinking of some movies and nominate a movie that we would you would love us to expound a uh, hypothetical uh, sequel to or a prequel. And the, to. 
there are some qualifications. It has to be a movie that everybody except Zavo has seen. Um, and Zavo is allowed to, we will all have seen the movie Zavo has seen. So Zavo is allowed to nominate, but like, as you think of like, just because Zavo hasn't seen it doesn't mean that you can't nominate it. I guess is my point. Right. Um, so another so, movie I, I, rec- I, I threw out when we were brainstorming was uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom about how uh, doing a prequel of that, of just explaining how he became friends with Short Round. They kind of allude to it, but I think it'd be a fun uh, story to see how Short Round became uh, his buddy. Because it's kind yeah. of a strange relationship in the 1920s. Yeah, and it's like, I think that we, to your point, like part of this exercise can be they give us the movie and we can each come up with our own prequel or sequel and then we can share them on the, the podcast. And like, I know chip is more of an optimist um and sees a brighter world than i do so like the temple <laughs> of doom thing temple of doom thing is very clear there's no doubt that short round was a sex worker indiana jones found him when he was whoring it up somewhere <laughs> and was like what is this little boy doing here and he's like i'm gonna give you a better job why don't you just drive a car for me and do whatever i ask you to do it won't be sexual um that's like that's the origin story but i i, I heard this idea and clearly i really like uh, coming up with these prequels and sequels. So, what so we're I have asking, one more, one more example. Yeah. Uh, Let's do it. Was Predator. So I'm really curious of how how uh, Mac and all of those guys became friends. How like what was the job that led to them uh, being somewhat like hostile and chilly with each other? Uh, like I think they describe it in the movie pretty well, but. Of- but I would love a little more full-fledged, like how they each got into the military or how they got so, all into it. I'm going to throw one out there that to me would be more interesting. I want to know from Predator 2, the prequel story <laughs> for Danny Glover and for Gary Busey's character. Totally fair. Totally. Uh, right? That would be very fascinating and a very different story than the prequel. Right. Right. Um, Anyway, we, we could go on and on about all these. Um, namely, we should choose movies of our favorites. Uh, and I think that everyone has common core of favorite movies that would be probably want to stick to. Um, yeah, and preferably no animal movies. So like Babe the Pig, not interested. <laughs> no like cartoons, um, just because I, it's going to be hard to get over. Like The Lion King, why is a warthog talking to a meerkat? Like how do we it's just too hard Um, okay but see one more clarifying detail is that you you struggle on making anything lighthearted and so the comedies are you going to struggle with any comedies i feel like maybe i can make a commitment that i'll do the opposite genre prequel for what the movie was so like for kindergarten cop i'll make it dark but for like predator 2 I would make it, yeah, a comedy or at least, you know, oh, a romantic. (laughs) Oh, my God. I didn't even think about it. But, like, did he become a, like, what what was the relationship story for Danny Glover before, like, the movie started? Like, was he a a happily married guy with a family? Uh Um, Uh Did he, oh, man, there's there's so many. There's a lot to unpack here. We really, we, we we will spend the rest of this year. Unpacking these things uh, yes, in please. short little snippets. 
send us your uh, requests at Chicago Beef League at gmail.com. And um, I think that's going to be a wrap for this episode. Chip, is there anything else you wanted to? No, I think next week we will, we will commit to doing a pod next week. Not quite this long, but next week we'll do a mid week one assessment of uh, the matchups. We will uh, take a look at the full year predictions. And hopefully if we have a recommendation, we'll do our first movie prequel or sequel uh, idea. Yes. Yes. And you can tell us whether it should be a prequel or a sequel. Um, And other than that, man, I'm just excited. Tomorrow's opening day. I'm excited for another beef league season. I hope everyone has fun. I hope everyone's successful, not as successful as me. And none of the above goes for Josh because asterisks and um, yeah, that's yes. Everyone wishing you all a great season. Can't wait to do some more pods this year. I hope you all lose. I hope you all lose. Cheers. everyone. Yes. This episode is produced by high Aldwin productions, a subsidiary of the Hubbard woods collective, a S and P company. Hello? What are you wearing? Is there anybody in there?